following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see our Sangha in the Ten Directions, uh, our Sangha in New York City, our Sangha in upstate New York, our Sangha in New Paltz, in New Jersey, wherever all of you happen to be, our, uh, our wonderful distributed Zoom Sangha. Uh, most mornings, uh, I take the dogs out for a walk in South Mountain Reservation, um, which is where, uh, very near to where we live. Um, I didn't get to do it this morning. Um, we'll go out this afternoon. But um, from the way the dogs behave, uh, it's clearly the high point of their day. Sid is predictably annoying, jumping at the leash rather than letting me put it on him, and Maisie patiently, impatiently waits by the door for me to open it, and they both pull me to the car. And this morning ritual is actually, uh, it's a high point of my day too. It's a perfectly ordinary thing. I don't have any particular expectations for it, and I think that's part of why I like it. Later in the day, I'll find myself frustrated with one thing or another, something not going the way that I want, uh, or something not happening that I want to have happen. Walking the dogs is it's just simpler. Um, it's the same every day, um, but it's also, it's different every day. The differences, the weather, who I meet, how I feel, what I'm thinking about. But it's the ordinariness, the routine that I think I like the most. And it's actually, it's a lot like sitting down to practice. It's a lot like sitting Zazen. Um, the circumstances, you know, where we happen to be sitting, whether we're in the Zendo or sitting in our uh, home could be the same on some days and different on others. How we feel, they're different. But sitting's just an ordinary thing that I don't have any particular expectations for. I just do it, uh, and I like that. So there's a there's a koan actually in the Momonkan uh, that I was reminded of as I was walking the dogs a few days ago, and I think it's actually quite wonderful. It's ordinary mind is the way, or ordinary mind is the Tao. And so I'll read this koan to you. Joshu asked Nansen, what is the way? Ordinary mind is the way, Nansen replied. Well, should we direct ourselves toward it or not? Joshu asked. If you direct yourself toward it, you go away from it, responded Nansen. If we do not try, how can we know that it is the way? Persisted Joshu. Nansen said, the way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing. Knowing is delusion. Not knowing is blankness. When you have really reached the true way beyond doubt, you will find it as vast and boundless as outer space. 
how can it be talked about on the level of right and wrong? And with these words, Shoshu came to a sudden realization. What is the way? Ordinary mind is the way. Yogin Senzaki titles this koan, Everyday Life is the Path. And I think it was actually that version that I was thinking of as I was walking the dogs. Everyday life. Just this. Just this moment out, whether it's sunny or rainy, the dogs running past me on the trail. I catching up with the dogs. They're turning around to wait for me. It sounds very simple. But of course, our minds aren't so simple. We have expectations. We judge. We compare. The world lets us down, or we let ourselves down, or our expectations are unrealistic. We get frustrated. We separate from the situation. Sometimes, often even, we don't know why we feel the way we do. So let me relate another moment to the last week. I had to get up early on Thursday morning because uh, I had an early doctor's appointment that I had to drive to, and it's about a half an hour away. And so I got up early, I showered, I got dressed, I drove over there. Uh, and then the appointment took about, about two hours. Um, uh, and like most doctor's appointments, it's mostly waiting, um, sometimes waiting to see the receptionist, sometimes waiting for a technician, then eventually the doctor comes in and you get your four minutes with, uh, with them. And then after that was done, I came home to walk the dogs because they need that morning walk uh, before taking the train into the city. And, and everything was timed just so, so that I made it to the doctor's office on time so that the dogs got their walk uh, for the day, so that I caught the train and made it in uh, to an afternoon session of a meeting at work. And actually, none of this was particularly hard um, or particularly stressful um, in and of itself. And yet, for much of the day, I was tense and tired uh, until around one o'clock in the afternoon. I had a sinus headache that ibuprofen didn't seem to put a dent in. My my jaw and my my shoulders were 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 clenched. I kept trying to to sort of loosen them up. My my breathing was tight. And then I got into the city and I and I had a quick bite to eat. And and after around one p.m., um, I settled into the chair uh, into a chair at the meeting. And started feeling better. So why? So in the notes that I have um, that I prepared for this talk, I, I put the the shrug emoji. Like why? 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 Why did I feel crappy um, on Thursday morning um, until around one o'clock? You know, some days we feel great. Other days we feel out of sorts. You know, maybe there's a reason for everything that goes on. Maybe there's a reason for feeling out of sorts. I don't know. I mean, it, it has been a, a very, very difficult week for many in the world. 
the situation in Israel was horrific. And still, we practice with things as they are. You know, we feel out of sorts, but we take care of the dogs. Uh, we take care of the things that need to be cared for. We try to remember to smile and make conversation with the cashier at the lunch place, even if we feel out of sorts. So after many years of practice, I've learned to accept each moment as it is. To realize that each moment is a manifestation of mind. Not just, not just my mind, but the universal mind. The mind that is not separate from what's going on in Israel. I learned to see the ups and downs that occur as life, uh, as part of my life, as, as just, uh, they're part of a whole. Uh, they're waves on the ocean. And usually, not always, but usually I'm able to just sort of be in the moment, whether it feels great or not so great, um, and not be excited about the ups and not get overly disturbed by the downs. And I was thinking as I was, was uh, writing those words that we try to practice actually with the, with the mind of the Tenzo. Um, I was reflecting back to um, uh, Dogen's uh, instructions to the, to the Tenzo, instructions to the cook. And, uh, you know, those of you who have been to a residential retreat in the past where we had, uh, the village Zendo had a Tenzo cooking for a, a group of 20 or 30 people, uh, will know it's a very, very difficult job. And um, it's not possible that the person that was the Tenzo uh, felt great every morning um, when they were getting up an hour before everyone else to make sure that breakfast was ready. And yet Dogen writes about the three minds that we practice with, um, or that the Tenzo embodies. The three minds are the, our joyful mind, parental mind, and magnanimous, magnanimous mind. So joyful mind recognizes that we're fortunate to be here in this life, to be able to realize ourselves, and to be able to take care of each other. And we joyfully accept our difficulties, recognize that, recognizing that our difficulties actually give us an opportunity to awaken. Parental mind is the mind in which we take care of people and things around us as if they were our own children. And in instructions to the cook, Dogen writes about how the Tenzo makes sure that things that belong on a low shelf are placed on a low shelf, and things that belong on a high shelf are placed on a high shelf. Parental mind. You don't want something that's heavy that might hurt someone to be on a high shelf. So you put it down low where it's easier to get to and less, uh, less of a hazard. When I was growing up, my father uh, always served himself last at the dinner table. 
Um, there were only four of us. We always ate as a, as a family. This was, a, I think, a thing of the of the boom, baby boomer generation, where the family, the 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 um, uh, nuclear family, always got together at the dinner table uh, uh, each evening. And my father always served himself last because he wanted to make sure there was enough to go around. And once everyone had food, uh, he served himself. Parental mind. Magnanimous mind sees everything from the perspective of a Buddha. We don't fall into a one-sided perspective. We don't discriminate against ups or downs, great or small. So let's go back to the koan and unpack it a little bit. And I think it's important to recognize when, when reading this koan um, or, or working with this koan that, that Joshu here is a young man. Um, he's very, very early in his practice. Um, he's probably in his early 20s. Now, he's a sincere practitioner. He's, he's come from northern China to southern China to practice with nonsense. So he's, he's left behind uh, an entire life uh, in order to pursue the way. Uh, but he's still early in his practice. You might say that he's he's not yet passed through the barrier of no self uh, and seen his true nature. Um, and so he's sincerely asking Nansen for help. Nansen here is a is an older uh, man, uh, perhaps in his fifties. Um, uh, so he's he's uh, very ripe in his practice. Uh, and he's the master that uh, Joshu comes to for instruction. And Joshu asks Nansen, what is the way? And Nansen replies, ordinary mind is the way. Well, shall we direct ourselves toward it or not? Joshu asks. Well, if you direct yourself toward it, you go away from it, responds Nansen. But if we do not try, how can we know that it is the way? Asks Joshu. So how do you understand this response? Ordinary mind is the way. And my understanding is that it's our minds that in which reality manifests. Some days reality manifests as a beautiful sunlit day walking the dogs with not a care in the world. Other days our minds manifest as tension and stress and war and fighting and disease and suffering. All of these things are a manifestation of mind. So to Nansen, Nansen, ordinary mind is the way. Is this ordinary mind, which transcends up and down, ups and downs, of which ups and downs are simply waves on the ocean. But Joshu doesn't see that. Joshu isn't there yet. To Joshu, he's struggling, and when he's struggling, he's suffering. 
he doesn't understand that this ordinary mind of suffering is also the way. This is why he needs to practice. It's why we need to practice. Before we start practice, and even, even after we've been practicing for many years, our ordinary mind can push us this way and that. Our ordinary mind can be clouded by delusion. Because we see ourselves as finite, separate beings. And everything that happens is reflected through our own self-centered, egoistic vision. And of course, if everybody's ordinary mind was the way, this ordinary mind of delusion, then as the commentary says in the Momonkan, farmers and fishermen would know it. There would be no reason to practice, and there would be no reason for us to seek instruction and inspiration from our teachers. In the Faith Mind Sutra, however, it says, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. So ordinary mind, when we transcend our self-centered delusions, is the way. And when we transcend our self-centered delusions, love and hate are both absent. We respond to each other with care. We respond to each situation with equanimity. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. And we can see the consequences of distinctions all around us. There's the hate in which Palestinian sees Jew, and Jew sees Palestinian as other. Hate that's built up through years of war, deprivation, propaganda, walls being constructed, stories being told, lives being lived in delusion. And the consequences are horrific. We can see distinction in members of government who find no room for common ground, who would rather shut down the government than find compromise with the other party. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. So how do I direct myself towards this mind that makes no distinction? How do I do that? If, if we want to live a spiritual life, it seems like we should direct ourselves towards it. But I think directing ourselves toward it means that we're we're pursuing an idea, an idea of enlightenment, um, an idea of what a spiritual life, a Zen life, looks like. And when we do that, we're separating from it. 
In fact, enlightenment itself is an idea. Delusion itself is an idea. And when we first start to practice, we use these words, our teachers use these words provisionally. They use the word enlightenment to give us some destination to focus on. And we begin to conjure ideas about what Zen practice is and what it must look like. But these ideas are not it. So Nansen says, if you direct yourself toward it, you move away from it. This is why, actually, in the in the Zen tradition, we, we don't explain too much. When you first come uh, into a Zendo, um, uh, if, and I hope uh, you have an opportunity to come to the Zendo, uh, someone will show you where to sit, give you a few basic instructions, but they won't give you a long lecture about how to behave in the Zendo. And then the, the bell rings and the period ends and you, you stand up. And if you turn the wrong way, and, and there's a probably a 50-50 chance you're going to turn the wrong way for Ken Hin, someone kindly corrects you and shows you the right way to turn. And of course, the first time this happens, you know, you feel so ashamed. I did it wrong. Of course I did it wrong. It's the first time here. But then when you've been practicing for a long time and you turn the wrong way, you feel ashamed again. Because you did it wrong and you should know better. But it's just turning one way or the other. And if you turn the wrong way, just turn the other way. It's really okay. And that's what these corrections are meant to show us. And they also allow us to work with our reaction to being corrected. Allow us to work with our reaction to being wrong. Nansen said, the way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing. Knowing is delusion, not knowing is blankness. When you've really reached the way beyond doubt, you will find it as vast and boundless as outer space. How can it be talked about on the level of right or wrong? When we think we know, when we're sure we know, we must be very, very careful. I can't count the number of times that I've uh, laid awake at night for some reason or another when I was uh, unable to sleep and just turned over a problem in my head over and over and over again. And perhaps, you know, at some point, I think I've solved that problem and I fall asleep. Or perhaps I haven't solved the problem, but I just fall asleep because I'm, I'm finally tired enough to fall asleep. And then I get up in the morning and I think back to what I thought it was the solution the night before, and it's complete crap. And that's so true sometimes of you know, any time when I think I know and I'm not actually questioning, searching, trying to understand deeper, asking questions. Because when we think we know, we're seeing a part of the picture. We 
but this doesn't mean that we just say you know whatever man it's all the same to me you know not knowing is blankness we've been given a very powerful discriminating mind that we have to put to good use So the true way beyond doubt is something we experience after many, many periods of sitting, after great effort. We see ourselves as part of one undivided whole. We see our mind and the universal mind as the complete manifestation of reality. With these words, Joshu came to a sudden realization. So Joshu had this young monk with nonsense instruction, had a moment of realization. And we can imagine that he had many such moments of realization over the next many years of his practice. This is why in his commentary, Mumon says, even though Joshu may be enlightened, he can truly get it after studying for 30 more years. Because even after realization, realization after realization, our practice continues. And when the words 30 more years are used here, it's not saying exactly 30 more years, it's saying our practice is endless. Joshu's practice is endless. It continues now in this day, in this virtual zendo. So there's a poem that, uh, or a verse that ends um, uh, this koan. I'll read it to you. Hundreds of flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter. If there is no vain cloud in your mind, for you, it is a good season. So the first part of this poem describes the beauty of the four seasons. And of course, we all dream of a life that's filled with uh, hundreds of flowers in spring and a cool breeze in summer. And sometimes it's like that. But not always. After the flowers bloom, they wither and go to seed. The autumn moon gives way to cold, rainy days. And with climate change, that cool breeze of summer may be missing for days on end. So ordinary mind, our ordinary mind's experiences, good and bad, ups and downs, sweet and bitter, hot and cold. And we must not misinterpret what Uman is saying. And he gives us a hint in the third line, the third and the fourth lines. If there is no vain cloud in your mind, for you it is a good season. 
I think a vain cloud here refers to the foolish ideas of our deluded minds. And if we don't attach to our foolish ideas, if we see through our foolish ideas, we can live freely. The last line echoes Unman, who says, every day is a good day. With joyful, we live with joyful mind. In the presence of ups and downs. Because once we've experienced this realm of no doubt, we just take every moment as it comes. Now I'm getting older, and I still attach to so many things. But more and more, I'm able to just take joy in those attachments, recognizing them, seeing through them, letting them go, not letting them go. I'm seeing that there's a time to sow and a time to reap, a time to every purpose under heaven. Ordinary mind, the mind of delusion, the mind of enlightenment. Practice each moment with ordinary mind, and may your practice continue endlessly.